Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and we are continuing our 2020 to 21 player reviews. And Gavin, today we are getting in to Kevin Knox. Yeah, Alex, uh, we, we talk about the highs and lows of this season, his improved three-point shooting, and his, his failures to really get better in any other capacity. And then we wrap it up talking about his future on the team, whether or not Kevin Knox is long for this roster, and what it says about the Knicks' long-term rebuilding philosophy if he is, in fact, gone this offseason. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Dick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. Lots of great draft coverage coming next week, so keep an eye out for that. He's Gavin Shaw, play-by-play man extraordinaire right now, Gavin, right? What's what's been your highlight of the week so far for from a play-by-play perspective? Oh, wow, that's a good question. Um yeah, I think it was uh, the last two days broadcasting the Boys and Girls Long Island Lacrosse Championships. I, I th- feel like I mentioned on the podcast before, but not, not a lot of people know this. Long Island is uh, America's and I think therefore the world's capital of high school lacrosse. A lot of the best players in the country end up coming from that area. So really fun, really competitive games. I mean, it, it's 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 kind of like it's it's very for anyone who enjoys college lacrosse. It's it's very analogous in terms of skill level when you get into the best teams in the state. Um, so really cool, and it's kind of it's cool to just be like broadcasting in front of live crowds again. I, I I did some football near the end of the year, and we didn't totally have that yet. But with lacrosse, these people are really really into it, and yeah, it's a it's a cool feeling to to have that kind of energy and know you're a part of it. Th- thanks for asking, Alex. Um, but yeah, why don't we uh, why don't we get into someone who people got to cheer for a little bit this year, but maybe maybe not as much as they would have expected in, in Kevin Knox. Yeah, Kevin Knox, of course, Kentucky product, third year in the NBA. Uh, I think we all thought that based off of the Kentucky connections that entered the Knicks front office, he might be getting more playing time. And that sort of played out in the beginning of the season. Uh, He played 42 games this year, zero starts, averaged 3.9 points per game, one and a half rebounds, 0.5 assists in 11 minutes per game. His shooting slash line was 39.2% from the field, 39.3% from three, which is actually quite good, and 80% from the free throw line. He did shoot 2.1 threes per game as well, so it's not a totally fluky number. Shot 47% on corner threes, which was the 86th percentile per cleaning the glass. And it was really, though, Gavin, I think a tale of two seasons, sort of, for Knox, although you can't even call the first part really a season, First 13 games of the year, he scores 8.2 points per game on 43.8% from the field, 44% from three, 
and 75% from the free throw line. In the last 29 games that he played in, of course, he got DNP'd in many games, uh, only averaged two points on 31.5% from the field, 33.3% from three, and 83.3% from the free throw line. The free throw numbers are really noisy because he barely shot any attempts, so can basically throw that out. But the three-point number was basically indicative of, of his season, I think. Uh, if he was hitting the three, then he was good. And if he was not hitting the three, then he wasn't good. And, you know, it's sort of been the problem with him his whole NBA career is that his game is very much predicated on his offense and how well he's doing on that end. And I, I think, and this is something that, you know, we see young players go through sometimes and you have to kind of be able to get over that. I think that his effort level kind of ebbs and flows with how well he's doing on offense. So when we would see him playing well on offense, I think he was actually putting forth some good plays on defense as well. He was getting into passing lanes. He was, uh, you know, getting some weak side blocks and stuff like that, like pretty crazy stuff and, and started to really look like an NBA player. And then, once his shot stopped falling, it seemed like that's all that he could think about. And then you start seeing the the lapses in judgment on the defensive end, um, him not, you know, keeping up with guys as well. The closeouts, be, you know, being like over aggressive on the closeouts sometimes and letting guys get by him. Um, and just generally, I mean, he kind of has slow feet like he I, he was utilized mostly as a three this year. I still think he's a four at some point in his NBA career, at least if he's going to stick. And that's not even a guarantee at this point. Um, but what were your general thoughts on him, Gavin, before we get too into the weeds on some of this other stuff? Yeah, I think I was, obviously I was thrilled about the shot, especially early in the year. And I, I mean, at some point I probably issued a, a too preemptive apology for, for my slander of, of his game. But Overall, it was, I just thought, a disappointing year from a developmental perspective. And especially in light of what we saw from Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, various other members of the Knicks who made significant strides from last season to this season. And and you give the very important qualifier that maybe Knox, given how raw he was coming into the NBA, and that was something that we sort of knew about him when he was coming to the league, more than anything else, he more or, or rather more than anyone else, other than maybe Frank Nilakina on the roster, he needed to work with a great developmental staff. He did not have that his um, his first NBA off or I guess his first two NBA off seasons. He didn't have that, and then this off season they had the staff in place, but he didn't get to work with them until right before the season. Then obviously didn't get an ideal amount of practice time with them throughout the season, at least to the best of my knowledge. Maybe behind the scenes, he was able to do a lot of work with people like Johnny Bryant and Kenny Payne, but it, it feels like he, it was it, either that it was, it was too late for him to figure things out or that, I don't know. I don't want to say that he didn't put the time in because from all, all we've heard about him is that he's such a hard worker, but maybe the answer is he just doesn't have it within him. And granted, he's still really, really young. We've seen players. I, I reference Kelly Oubre a lot as another example, figure it out in like their early to mid twenties while Knox is, is what is 22 now. He, he's so he's still, he's still his time, but the rest of his game just hasn't come along the way you would have hoped, especially once you start shooting it better, at least offensively, everything else on the court gets easier because you, you have defenders closing out on you hard. You, your reads become that much quicker. Your ability to get to the rim um, becomes that much easier when you can use the defender's momentum against him 
it, it, it should have a cascading effect on his game. And it didn't really. Maybe there, there were certain games and moments where it was like, oh, okay, that's a pass he wouldn't have thrown in past years. Or, or to your point defensively, I was like, all right, there, there's a little bit of off-ball awareness that he lacked his first two years in the league. But it never really sustained itself and or, or, or crystallized into uh, continued effort. And the fact that Tibbs, unlike with Frank, actually gave Knox a chance. He put him in the rotation at the start of the year, even though I'm, I'm not 100% sure that Knox was the best option for this team. And, and as, I mean, the length of the season showed, he almost definitely wasn't, e- even with the improved shooting. And despite those opportunities, he, he wasn't able to e- even show the flashes he did as a rookie in, in terms of his ability to get to the basket. And and I think it comes down to two things. I think it comes down to what we've always talked about with him. The basketball, I don't even want to say IQ. I, I, think, I think instincts is the better term just isn't quite there with him in terms of having just very quick reaction and processing time. And then two, there's just very, very little fluidity to his game in the half court. He's able to really leverage his athleticism in transition situations. That's been true since he was a rookie. Obviously the shot has come along and his form this year was looking cleaner and better than ever, but his ability to actually like take someone off the dribble, even someone that he theoretically should have a quickness and a strength advantage of, and it just it, it never really comes to fruition in, in terms of real basketball. I guess is the best way to say that. And sometimes there there are guys who are just sort of workout warriors and guys who can win dunk contests. But when it comes to a game, the the functionality of their athleticism just isn't quite there. And I'm starting to believe with Knox more and more that could be the case. But Alex, maybe this is something we can get into next segment. Um, I hope. I hope the Knicks give it one more year with him because I, I think a full off season with Kenny Payne and Johnny Bryant, that, that's sort of how you get your final answer on, on if Kevin Knox can be anything in the NBA and specifically on the Knicks. Yeah, I have some things to say about that as well, but let's take our first break. Uh, do you want to introduce everybody to our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week for this week? Yeah, Alex, it's about that time again. I was going to say if we're going um, playoffs wide, my Michelob Ultra Player of the Week but actually, you know, it would it would have been Chris Paul um, a couple of days ago, pre pre the COVID scare. Hopefully, he's okay. Might have even been Paul George for the game he had last night. I know I was I was part of the part of the crowd that was not all that high on him after last year's postseason. But he played an incredible game last night. Kevin Durant, one of the best playoff performances of all time. Lots of great candidates, but we are locked on Knicks, so we'll keep it Knicks centric. And I am going to go with the Maple Mamba himself, R.J. Barrett. Just turned 21 this week, so drinks on me, RJ, um, even though you can you can probably afford more than I can. Uh, but what a spectacular season uh, RJ had this year for our Knicks. And we always want to remind you that it, it's ultimately, it's about joy, happiness, I- enjoyment. When, when you're trying to appreciate your favorite teams and your favorite players, and man, RJ gave me a lot of joy this year because I, I just, it's been such a long time. I, I mean, I, I guess you could, you could talk about that guy in Dallas, but since the Knicks really had a young hope who, who didn't have massive injury issues, you didn't think was going to leave right after his first contract and, and was a guy that you thought your team could ultimately build around. And RJ Barrett, man, he's, he's just that for the Knicks. I saw an incredible statistic via uh, Knicks statistician extraordinaire, Tommy Barrett, beer this week um rj one of just eight players to tally over 2,000 points 500 boards and 300 dimes before turning 21 
The rest of those guys are all going to be Hall of Famers. So pretty good company for R.J. Barrett. And we have to remember, at the end of the day, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, Michelob Ultra is something that you can enjoy anytime. Even though enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. So enjoy R.J. Barrett. And RJ, I hope you enjoy a Michelob Ultra. All right, and we're back today on the road to the finals. Our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Gavin, I, I certainly enjoyed the Clippers game last night. I wasn't able to catch the the Hawks-Sixers game, though I understand the Hawks came back and beat them. It's good to see some other team uh, getting their butts kicked by the Hawks now rather than just the Knicks. But I watched that Clippers game and that that comeback by the Clippers and and uh, eventual win there. Really impressive performance by Paul George, I gotta say. Yeah, he was he he was incredible. And uh I, I didn't I, I honestly I didn't really think he had it in him. I thought the I thought the Jazz were gonna win that one, but he was he was spectacular and yeah, returned to the form that he showed earlier in his career. Yeah, very clutch. Uh, and that brings us back to Kevin Knox, speaking of earlier in careers, uh, who has not showed Paul George like potential just yet. But uh, I, I wanted to, you know, kind of piggyback on something that you said in the last segment, um, talking about his development and the amount of hours he puts in and stuff like that. And I, I kind of agree. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him with a full offseason with the Knicks training staff, you know, in the Knicks uh, coaching staff, I should say just to try to get his some of the things corrected in his game. Like one thing that I noticed, I'm not, I'm not a shot doctor or anything. I don't claim to be, but one thing that I noticed with his jump shot that would seem troubling to me is the fact that it, it, it shoots so high, you know, he shoots such a rainbow that I think that it creates this, this like all or nothing proposition with his jumper. And we see some guys in the league that do shoot like that, that that shoot it well. Like, I, I mean, the most prominent example, I think, is Steph Curry, who shoots just these moonshot threes that just always seem to go in. But he's literally one of the most talented players in the history of the NBA. Most guys shoot it with a little like you don't want to shoot a line drive. You don't want to shoot the Alfred Payton special, which we'll get to more in a sec. But you don't want to shoot a, you know. A, a super high rainbow that's going to like touch the rafters either because then it either has to splash in or it's going to like clank off the, the back of the rim or the front of the rim or whatever. And it, it's just harder to aim it that way. And I think that's the problem with Knox's shot. I know that he puts up like a bajillion shots before and after every game, but maybe the, the adjustment that helps him is adjusting the approach and adjusting his release a little bit as much as I've said like a million times like I think his release actually is really pretty it might be something so simple as like don't release the ball with your hand still at you know roughly 180 degrees or you know what I mean like straight up and down release it more when it's at like you know 20 degrees or something you know like try to just get a little bit more of a, a wrist flick into it and get a little more forward motion going on the shot and maybe that totally fixes it and he could become like a lights out three point shooter. Cause as noted already, even with some like struggles on the whole, he managed to shoot almost 40% from three this year on two attempts per game. That's really not bad. Um, but you really need to get that aspect of his game figured out as we've seen, like before the rest of it's going to fall in place. 
Um, I'll, I'll let you throw out any final thoughts you have on him. Uh, and maybe we could do the, the prediction game to see if he's going to be back next year. But I wanted to highlight his best game, too. I've been trying to find like a best game or moment for every player. His, I would say, was Knicks at Hornets on uh, January 11th, pretty early in the season. He had 19 points, five rebounds, two assists, shot five of 12 from three. Uh, the Knicks lost the game pretty handily, but that was one of those games where, uh, first off, you know, that that was part of the Knicks, like, little losing streak there at the beginning of the season that kind of made us think initially, like, oh, they're coming back to earth. That five and three start was fun, but, you know, this it, the, we're getting back into the flow of things where the Knicks are going to be, you know, probably the eighth lottery team or something. And so we were already starting to get into looking for positives mode. And that was, you know, I think that Knox's game in that that particular contest was the one of those, you know, silver lining moments that we were clinging to early in the season. Um, thought that he was kind of breaking out after a hot start. But as it turned out, wasn't really so much of a breakout. He had one more game after that. I think the very next game he scored like 16 points and the Knicks also lost that game. But Things were looking kind of promising, and then all of a sudden, the three just stopped falling, and then pretty soon thereafter, he found himself basically out of the rotation for the rest of the season. Um, but Gavin, I'll throw it to you for any final thoughts on him as far as a, a prospect or whatever, and then if you want to make a prediction for whether he's going to be around next year or going forward, um, go for it. I, I've, I'm really not sure where to go with Knox in that regard, though, because it's, it's a really hard situation to read, I think. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, yeah. I I don't really have anything else specific about his game. More so, I would I, I kind of want to talk about what his future is on the team, and I think he's he's kind of the ultimate litmus test for what the Knicks are going to do going forward. And if we take all the reporting we've heard about the front office and Dolan and and Tibbs's objectives at their word. I don't know if there's a spot for Kevin Knox on this team after this season. It feels like he's almost, uh, unless he just makes a massive, massive jump, he, he's going to be written off as a miss under the old administration. And, and normally, um, like sending off a, an eighth pick that you you took over um, multiple All-Stars who allegedly were also in consideration for the pick, typically that would be a death knell for a front office. Unfortunately, that most of that front office outside of Scott Perry is, is already gone. So there's no one left to face the repercussions of it, which makes it a lot more palatable to just look at him as a sunk cost and say, hey, instead of trying to shoehorn this guy in when he might not just be good enough and, and potentially next year, like forcing developmental reps his way over, like, let's just say the Knicks take, um, I don't know, like a, a Brandon Boston or a Zaire Williams next year. Are you going to be playing Knox over those guys? And given the depth of the Knicks roster, that's probably going to be the decision you're making, right? And maybe early in the year you are. And and maybe later on, Knox overtakes someone like that. But right now, even though he's he's still younger than Obi Toppin, I, I just feel like he has a, a relatively shorter leash. I, I Unless he comes in next year and is the most complete version of himself, which I guess in my mind means showing off all the best qualities we've seen from him at once, which means someone who is an absolute menace in transition, a, a near 40% three-point shooter on high volume, um, someone who can move their feet and guard one-on-one -on -one and, and fly over and have help side blocks on defense, uh, unless he can combine everything good we've seen about his game and, and, and have a better engine and instinct for the game on top of it. 
I, I just I, I don't see a future for him on this team. I, I just think there are going to be too many mouths to feed, as is. And for someone who, for the foreseeable future, is going to be a non-passer, he has to be so, so good in so many different areas to make up for that relative to what we've seen from him in the past that I, I just think it's a long shot that he, he throws all that together in one offseason. But I will say with the qualifier that, again, he's, he's still he, – he was he was screwed over his first two years. It's very, very similar to Frank in his first three where we saw someone who's basically his worst instincts were, I, I guess, not, not curbed by David Fisdale. And he, he wasn't really taught how to play a better way because the Knicks just had a terrible front office staff and a terrible developmental staff, and he was he was let down. So I, I hope there's there's still time to cement him as an NBA player. He's certainly an NBA athlete. Um, I, I just I'm not sure if it's too late or not. I'm going to uh, just let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game with teams in the playoffs, in the in the NBA and NHL, and on their their hunt for the playoffs in the MLB. So head to betonline.ag and use your or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. Again, that's betonline.ag, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And this episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure all the pointless or intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer? Choose the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers and you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or auto dealership? For example, there's a Honda Odyssey fuel pump you can get for $353 from a chain store, just $216 from rockauto.com. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet for in your car. I mean, I like I said, I literally bought a gas cap from them recently, and they beat Amazon. Crazy stuff. I didn't think anybody could beat Amazon on anything, and yet Rock Auto beat them by 50%. It was like half the price of Amazon. So if you want to check out what's available for your car or truck, go to rockauto.com right now. See all those parts for your car or truck, and if you decide to buy something right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, I, I definitely agree that I think that he was mismanaged his first two years. I mean, the first year, Fisdale essentially said, do whatever, and put him in all these situations where he was like the focal point of the offense, having to, you know, run, pick and roll, which actually is not the worst thing in the world for him. Uh, he's... He, has always had a pretty good chemistry with Mitch, but 
you know, other than that, you know, he just, he can't, he can't take somebody off the dribble and just score on them. He's just not that type of player. And that's basically who Fisdale tried to turn him into for that whole first year. So it was essentially, I mean, he had some flashes that rookie year, but it was essentially a wasted rookie year because he wasn't actually brought up on any skills that would be useful for him, like spot up shooting and, uh, you know, just like cutting and things of that nature are all things he should have been getting schooled on from year one. Instead, it was just like become a become Kobe Bryant, become an ISO scoring God. And that was just never going to happen with him. Um, then second year, you know, under Fisdale and then under Mike Miller, too. I mean, that was one of the only blemishes, I think, on Mike Miller's tenure. He just I mean, they just kept putting him in positions to fail then, you know, starting him at shooting guard, like always playing him at the wing against faster, better players. It just it was not a great situation for him. Again, still kind of trusting him to be this like isolation score, which he just isn't. I think this year started to see him sort of become who he could be. But even with Tibbs and with the new development staff, they still didn't play him at the four, which I think is going to be the key to if he sticks in the NBA or not. Does he does some team, if not the Knicks, does some team let him try to play the four? Uh, Because I think he's shown a good a good amount of instincts for uh, getting after the ball and you know, poking it away from bigger guys, stuff like that. And also, I mean, he's put on a pretty good amount of mass in his time in the NBA. Like he's not the super skinny kid that got drafted by the Knicks anymore. He's, he's pretty well built for an NBA player at this point. I think he can hold his own against fours and that, you know, allows to solve for some of the the foot speed problems that he has where he just can't keep up with guys on the perimeter. Um, Still though, my guess is, He's probably gone this offseason. I, you know, I have nothing to back that up. This is not like anything more than a hunch, but I think that he's going to be used in some sort of deal, perhaps on draft night to uh, facilitate a deal that's going to, you know, maybe move the Knicks up in the draft, like by consolidating their two picks plus Knox or something to move up into the lottery, something like that to some team that's like needy for depth, you know, and, and is in the midst of a rebuild or whatever. Um, or maybe just some team that wants more picks to try to package for some other established NBA player or something um, and thinks it would be more useful to have 19 and 21, you know, to ship out instead of pick like 13 or whatever. Um, but we'll see as far as that's concerned. Either way, I just I, I think that the most likely outcome to your point is that he probably just ends up nailed to the bench next year, even if he does stay with the Knicks, because. You know, whoever they bring in in the draft, it'll probably be one or two players by the time all said and done. Whoever they end up bringing in is going to get priority over Knox because they'll be this front office's, you know, player rather than the previous front office's player. Even if Scott Perry, who uh, is still with the front office and it seems like might be sticking around at this point based off the fact that he hasn't taken another job somewhere else. Granted, <laughs> there's an opening with the Mavs now. Maybe he interviews for that or something. Who knows? But um, uh, <laughs> after how much he he and the previous front office have now apparently won the Chris Stapps Porzingis trade. But at any rate, uh, you know, I, I think that Knox will just kind of get pushed to the back burner, unfortunately. Uh, and rightly or wrongly, that's that might be... I, I won't say how his NBA career ends. He'll definitely, I mean, if nothing else, he's going to keep getting some tryouts for a little bit based off his physical profile and the fact that he has managed to shoot as well as he has. But it's going to take some team really unlocking the code with him. And I, I just think, I mean, I don't mean to knock him too much, but I don't think his 
his basketball IQ is is the highest either. So it's going to take some team that can really instill something in him that is is at his level for understanding like defensive schemes and stuff. Um, because he, he just to this, I, although again, maybe it's it's wrong to judge his basketball IQ based off only playing one year under Tibbs and two years under. Fisdale, who had no clue as far as defense, too, you know, there might be a lot of unlearning that has to be done there and relearning how to actually be an NBA player. So we'll see. I, I don't know how it's all going to go, but my best guess is he probably ends up on some other team. I hope wherever he goes, he figures it out because, I, you know, as we've said a couple of times, he does work really, really hard. And uh, I, I hope that he's able to find somewhere where he can become successful. 